You are listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. And today we're continuing our series on systematic theology. Today we're going to be looking at what is God like? Mm. What is God like? I like this chapter. We've been using some of Grudem's work for this. We could go to lots of other systematic theologies. But I like the simplicity of the outline that Gruden provides. So that's the that's the chapter title in the twenty basics every Christian should know. What is God like? And I think that's the goal of theology. Sure. Trying to understand God and trying to, to fill that out. So the question though is if we want to understand God, we've already talked about the Bible. Right. So we start in the Bible and we use what the Bible says. But here's the deal. The Bible says a lot. It does. Now let's say I just walked down and I, I asked a guy, uh, you know, out in downtown Main Street here, I said, hey, sure. what, what's God like? Where do people usually go in that? Uh, God is love. Okay, that's pretty good. And we do have biblical evidence for that. Sure. Um, most people will try to describe God, and usually they describe a God they want God to be, don't they? Right. Kind. Uh, or caring. if they're angry at God, or they're an atheist, oh, yeah. they've left a religion, then what do they describe? Sure. He's angry. He's hateful. He's vengeful. So in, in both these cases, what's happening is people are describing God through their own personal desires and own personal experiences, yes. which is not transcendent. Like, if we're going to describe something truly, it can't be through the rose-colored glasses or the, I guess, rose-colored glasses that look yeah. nice. What's hate-filled glasses? <laughs> Whatever glasses. Like the, we're, We want to try to say, okay, if I want to understand truly God and who he is and how yeah. the Bible looks, says he who he is then i need to really try to get my preconceived ideas and my biases out of the equation as much as possible you can't completely remove that right but we need to do that as much as possible and i think the best way to do that is to take a systematic approach like systematic theology to say what are all the various things the bible does say about god and some of those things i might like more some of those things i might like less some of those things i might gravitate to more in my devotional time, my prayer life, and my thinking. Some of those things I might gravitate to quite a bit less. Right. But then... The gr- all, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's only like a 20-minute podcast. How do we cover everything about God that's in the Bible? I mean, how would you define God? How does... What's a kind of just a good two-sentence statement I, on who God is? I think that's where we go wrong. I think you need to spend a lifetime learning who God is. And then you will spend all of eternity learning who God is, and we'll still never plumb the depths. Right. That's the beauty of this whole thing. That's what the Bible says. He's, he's, we can't get to the end of the knowledge of God. Grudem just starts with, like, let's start with the first thing we need, and that is that God exists. Yes. He, he does exist, and that, makes, uh, that says something about him. He's not a figment of our imagination, right. although many people would argue otherwise. He's, he is a something, not a nothing. Right. And then, and there's biblical scripture. The Bible assumes from minute one, God exists. That's how it opens. In the beginning, God did this without an explanation of who God is. There's an assumption, God does exist. We don't need to prove that. We don't need to. We don't need to do that with the Bible. That's how His word starts. Which shows us too that God exists outside of creation. Right. right? Exactly. Before creation, He's so eternal. He's always, yep. Uh, exists out of, outside of time. He's a creator. If we go to that scripture. Yep. Uh, Grudem goes to God as knowable, and that's okay. kind of what we're talking about. Uh, his greatness is unsearchable, Psalm 145.3. Uh, his understanding is beyond measure, Psalm 147.5. We can personally know him. Um, we see a revelation of him through the sun. Like, he's knowable. We, right. we can learn things about him. There's a scripture that that's is helpful. revealed to us. 
if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. They're not the same, but they're in in the same likeness and Trinity, which we'll talk about that one in another one. The, so he exists, he's knowable, and then what can we start knowing about him? Things like you talked about. He's he's eternal. He exists outside of creation. Right. He exists because of that, really outside of time, if we believe time is a created thing, which I believe it is. he uh, The list here is he's independent. He doesn't need anything. He's unchangeable um, because he's outside of... He's not... Various actions are not changing who he is. Right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, we talked about eternal. We have the omnis. We have the communicable and incommunicable attributes. Right? Yeah, I so, hear that all the time, and I don't understand those two words. Yes, incommunicable you, and communicable. Yes, you do. You know. You be, you're just setting me up on that one. Uh, communicable. Think a communicable disease. Okay. He, it's shared. A cold can be shared, which that's... I mean, nobody wants to think about God like, like a sure. cold. But the things that can be shared... Something that God has that he shares with us. God has shared that with us to make us in his image, but he has not shared everything with us. We are not 100% and exactly like him and never will be. Right. So the things he shares with us, we can love because he loves. Right. Uh, We can be creative because he's a creator. Okay. Um, We can be caring because he's caring. We We can exercise good uh, justice because God is perfectly just. Right. Um, this kind of stuff. Okay. And there's lots of there's lots of these sorts of things. But then also, uh, the ones he doesn't share with us. And, and that's just because of the very nature of what we are and the very nature of what he is. God is the omnis, or how most people think of it, but he's omnipresent. Right. Uh, he's all present. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He means he's all-knowing. We're right. not... All knowing. No. He is um, omnibenevolent. He okay. is um, what's the I missed all powerful Omni, omnipotent. Omnipotent. Yeah. Um, and and this is where this gets a little confusing for some people. When we go and we look at Jesus, we're like, wait, Jesus learned, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Okay. Well, Jesus has two natures, and in his sure. humanity, he's doing the things that are like what we do, and in his deity, he's able to do these things. So right now, somewhere. There is uh, Jesus in a place, in a fixed point in his humanity with his body, with the holes in his hands, the holes in his side. But he's also God, which we'll talk more about, I guess, when we get to the Trinity. So he's yeah. also um, everywhere. Yeah. He's in all places. So those are the incommunicable things, Omni, omnis. Um, he is uh, perfect in all of his attributes. He is not just wise, but he's the pinnacle of perfect wisdom. Yes. Uh, he is truthful. There's some things he cannot do. He cannot lie. Um, he cannot sin. And some people go, well, wait a minute. He's incapable of those things? No, the very definitional aspect of who he is, th- those things don't exist in the definition of who God is. He is good. Uh, the Bible says he is love. He is holy. He is righteous and just. I like this one. God is jealous. And I remember, yeah. I think it was Oprah, I'd like lost her ever-loving mind. God is jealous. That's just... That's just ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. Right. I wouldn't really like it if my spouse didn't care if I did anything because right. they didn't care enough about me. Right. When we run off to other idols and we run off to other things and we don't love God, God is jealous for us. Um, Absolutely. And she, for her, that was a reason not to love this God. Well, if he's jealous, I, I want to do whatever I want. I don't want him jealous for me. Um, and I think that's a key indicator, too, is that we're talking about who God is, not who we want God to be. Yes. So. And, and we're not creating a caricature of him. He's also... 
So God is not only jealous for us, he's jealous for his own glory, and he's jealous for his own worship. He is the center of these things, and, and rightly so. Is there any attribute of God that is more true about him than the other attributes? No, 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 and that's, so that's a really good question. These things, it's not like we want to put one thing right. as the he's pinnacle He's more focus. holy, that he's less jealous, or he's more loving and less hateful. So I heard this really good illustration from John Piper in, I think it's in the Puritan movie, and for context, he's talking about Jonathan Edwards. Well, how can Jonathan Edwards be this great theologian, do this and do that, and own slaves? Right. And Piper says, well, all of us are like this multi-tentacled creature. Oh, yeah. You have all these tentacles coming off. And this tentacle is amazing and strong, and it's fantastic. And this one's really healthy. So this might be the tentacle of, like, theology, and this might be caring love, and this might be service. But then, oh, over here on whatever this one with the slave is, it's like like a little dwarfy, undeveloped tentacle. Yeah. And so the example is, we probably look the same way. Well, you know, 200 years from now, they're going to look back on this and go, well, how could they be okay with abortion? Right. And they're going to cancel all of us because of yeah. abortion. And that, that, was, that was Piper's explanation is Piper might have a strong tentacle here and here and here, but then this one is is not strong. Every one of the tentacles, the attributes of God that describe God are all the same right. in beauty and strength. And like, he doesn't have some gimpy one. Right. Um, and that's also what is remarkable. It's amazing in that way. All of this stuff is really from the Bible. We could be pulling scriptures out like crazy. Right. What we're not doing is just making up who God is. That's our goal to say the Bible says this is who God is. Was there any evidence in in addition to the Bible that kind of reveals to us who God is? Well, the Bible says the creation reveals that there is a creator, first of all. There are numerous different arguments for logically how to say there could be a God and how is that. One of them is all this stuff got created somehow. Right. And it came from somewhere. And someone goes, oh, well, let's let's just say theoretically... All of it happened through randomness. Randomly, everything came together this way. Then you still have to ask the question, where did it come from? Right. Who is the who is the the mover? Who got everything well, in what motion? What set the ball in motion? What yeah. got this going? That's one of the major questions of philosophy before even Plato and Socrates. The early, early, early philosophers in Western philosophical thinking were asking that question. How, where did it come from? Yeah. And who moved it? Right. How did it get going, right? And so you still so just the the fact that there is creation right. tells us something. That's good. Uh, Romans tells us that we can see the glory of God in creation. Sure, we can see some aspects there. Uh, I think some people would argue, and I think there's a, a valid argument in this that through some of our experiences, we can potentially believe in the existence of God. Yeah. Um, that one we want to measure against his word if we can, but you hear stories of people that don't have God's word, and right. they kept having this reoccurring dream, and then they went and found the house where the reoccurring dream was happening, and then someone shared Jesus with them, and like that seems like God is intervening in their life. Yeah, But we want to be careful with that. We don't want to just demand a sign of the existence of God, because even Jesus warned the Pharisees, I think it's Matthew 12, like, hey, a wicked generation demands a sign. Right. So I think we want to be okay with the revelation to the best of our ability. But this is one of these things that... We want to spend a lifetime knowing who God is and worshiping him by what he's revealed to us and how we understand him. And we want to walk with him. We want to be his servant. We want to be his friend. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation if we are his friends and he is our friends. We've been talking about that a lot, right? Right. But there's a relationship. So he's personal. God is personal. And I think that's how we learn more and more about him. That's how I learn more and more about my spouse. Right. 
Sure. You know, I could go pick up a book that tells me everything about her, yeah. or I could journey in life <clears throat> with her yeah. and experience that together we, with her. We can see God's kindness through the actions of others, but to really understand it, you have to go to God's word to really yeah. you know, understand it better. So you talked about how God, we said, I said God is love, and you've talked about how God is jealous too and how Oprah didn't like that. Is God's wrath inconsistent with his love? Like, I feel like that's where people struggle. People really have a hard time with how could a loving God do something I don't like. Right. That's actually what I Sure. This doesn't look loving. First of all, um, we have to think through how do you measure perfect justice with perfect love, but God is the definition of these things. Right. So from our perspective, we might say, well, I don't like that. Therefore, God isn't measuring up to my standard. Right. But it's God's standard we need to measure up to. So... To be perfectly just and to bring his wrath, he has to follow through with the agreement he made So in the garden. If yes. you sin against me, you die. People go, well, that's not right. Let me hit pause for a second. If I, if I commit high treason against uh, the United States government or I threaten to kill the president, there's a legal judicial process. Right. What if I threaten to kill leader of Iran or Saudi Arabia right. or China, no one would be surprised if I lost my life. Right. Yet we're totally surprised if you sin against the creator of all yeah. things, the sovereign king of all nations, God, people go, well, that's not right that you, the sentence is death. It's completely right. I think we, right. sometimes we demand that kind of justice for right. much lesser things when people have sinned against us. For so sure. So we shouldn't be surprised. So, okay, so if God's going to be just... And he's going to be perfectly just. He's going to have to administer justice against the very things he's said. And that's a death penalty. Yeah. Okay, so the most just thing he can do is leave us all to die. But the most loving thing he can do is also show grace. He right. sends his son to die in our place. He creates a provision where justice can be administered. And to see what perfect love looks like, we looked at Christ on the cross, who died for us while we were still sinners. The Bible says this, this is love, right? This is right. what you see. And so then you see those two things simultaneously, but what happens is most people refuse to see one or the other. Right. They only want to see all love. They only want to see all justice. And they struggle with the tension yes. of this that the Bible paints that picture for us. And then they want to create a God of their own creation. And I think that's ultimately the, the problem right there is we, we confuse or we don't understand the difference between justice and grace or mercy. Right. So. Um, okay, so you're just out in your everyday comings and goings you're out and about sure. in life um the people that you run into just in everyday life what kind of god do they want mm. i want to say that most people probably want a god that serves their own intentions or their best interests or you know which like as a genie in a lamp right right like you do what i say i'm the master exactly. you even though you have all this power and you can do stuff you have to do it the way i want it right they think that, do you think most people would think they know better than than God? Sure, absolutely. I just there's a play I really like. It's uh it's called Bright Star. And the protagonist in the movie, somebody was saying something about how this woman was dealing with God and she's like, Oh, I love God. I just think some of his ideas aren't as good as mine. <laughs> you I know? Think that really hits the nail on the head because I think we don't start in the right place when we look at who God is and what God is like. I mean, I've talked to people just in this last week who have made some lifestyle changes that are contrary to God's word, 
But then they told me, well, I have peace about this, and you can only have peace from God. So because I have peace, God is okay with me making these decisions. So they've used a twisted thing <laughs> to still get to their end goal. I think I know better right. than God. I want to be a God, or I want to be God, or I want to be Lord so, over God, which is, goes all the way back to Genesis 3. And that's where Adam and Eve yes. fell. Temp- they, the temptation was, well, God knows something I don't. Well, I need to know it. Right. I want to be it. Not even understanding like what it was they didn't know. They didn't know because they didn't know. <laughs> right. But we can be like God if we do this. That's this, the constant and continual right. temptation. I can know better than God. I can be like God. There are religions that say I can become a God. Sure. And we just struggle so badly to say, I want to know God for who he is and submit and surrender to that. So we create our own idea of God or multiple gods, and then we worship that. Right. And then we don't like it when... The actual God, through his word, says, no, I'm more like this. Well, I hate that. Wait a second. I mean, I think that's the real problem with knowing and understanding God. That would be like me deciding, okay, well, this is what I want Brian to be, and naming all the attributes. And you say, well, no, I'm actually like this. And then I get irritated because you're not who I want you to be. (laughs) You're not the Brian I thought you were. You're a jerk. Wait a second. Don't you have a better idea of who you are and who you want to be? Which I think society is totally okay with that because they say you can define yourself. But I think they go one step further, and they don't let God define himself. Right. I get to define everything about me on every level, but right. I'm definitely not going to let God do the same thing. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> the problem. Which just puts you more important than God. You mentioned that God is everywhere. We talked about uh, omnipresent. Omnipresent. So if God is present everywhere, can he be present in hell? If, if hell's a place of terrible suffering? and Well, yes, because, one, he created this place. Two... He is in all places, and he holds all things together. So he's even holding hell together. Okay. Okay. But, and so people go, wait a minute, isn't that where where, uh, if we're in hell, it's because God's presence is removed? Yet God removes our ability to encounter him and experience him, but it does not mean that he is not in those places. And sometimes you feel like you're, oh, mountaintop moment. God must be on the mountaintop and not in the valley. No, God's in all places. But how we relate to him is either because we've blocked him out or because he's revealed himself less or more. He's still, the Bible says he's in all. I heard that example this week of, well, we have to go to church because that's where God is. God is everywhere. We can't escape God. Uh, We are really charged to think quite a bit more about God. And our brothers and sisters are there and where two or three are gathered in my name. Okay, there I think there's real value and it's easier for me to encounter God in this kind of a way. And I wouldn't say, well, I just go to the mountains. That's fine. But I mean, like, we're intentionally reading his word and singing praises to him. And we're corporately talking about who he is and those sorts of So it's going to be a little easier, but that doesn't mean that he's not also everywhere else. Right. I think we're at, how are we doing on time? We're pretty much out of time. Like right. I said, it's it's hard to cover everything about God. If our listeners are listening and they say, well, okay, I, I, I want to know more about God, what would you tell them? To pick up a systematic theology book, pick up I'd, their Bible. I'd like, say where start, do you start reading your Bible. And we just, we're going to come back to this over and over and over again because this is where God reveals himself to us. Absolutely. This is the chief way. And then his revelation goes out to the world by his word, through his servants, in the church, this sort of thing. But if you want to know more about God, pick up the the book he gave us to know more about right. God and start reading it. It, it. It's hard to beat that. I couldn't say it any better myself. John 1.1 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. So if you want to know God, start reading. Right? His word. I, I would recommend starting like the book of John. Is a good. You can start anywhere, but start sure. in the book of John. Genesis is interesting, but I would really start in the book of John because that really encapsulates who Christ is. 
and encapsulate what God is doing. Uh, you see quite a bit there. That'd be my that'd be my recommendation. And recognize you're not going to get it all. I'm going to take a one hour lecture course, and I know everything now about God. We're never going to know right. everything about God. So just get comfortable with the fact that for the rest of eternity, we're going to be learning about God. Forever and ever. Forever. Amen. Forever. Well, if you have any questions about God, you can drop us a line, saltybeliever.com. We'll try to answer it. Maybe next time we'll tackle the simple topic of creation. No, I think Uh, we got the Trinity. We didn't talk about the Trinity. Or the Trinity. Even better. We can do creation if you want, but I think we should do Trinity. Yeah. What is God like? God the Trinity. That's easy. We'll tackle that next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.